Hello, this is Jimmy again with another truth. Uh, this week I get to continue the guitar series with uh, a band I only have heard of online and a friend of mine turned me on to him and gave me the number for the guitar player and the band is called Spiderbone and I'm gonna get to talk to John Fixmer, the guitarist. So I can't wait. Uh, I've listened to what I can online from them and uh, let's see, they've been on uh, Rockstar Garage, if you caught them on that. They're pretty heavy. Uh, I dig them. But uh, here we go. Thanks, guys. Hey, John, this is Jimmy. How you doing? Good, man. Hey, give me one second. I'm sorry, I'm just going to try and get some levels for you. Can you hear me? Yeah, perfect. Perfect, man. See, I think that got you up enough. Uh, from the band Spiderbone, correct? Yep. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Um, cool. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, this is kind of this might be kind of weird for you. Uh, Pat kind of got us together, a mutual friend. Yep. <laughs> cool. But yeah, he showed me. He used to work for me before, and he brought me in the. He showed me when you guys did the Rockstar Garage, and that's when I got to hear about you guys. Gotcha. Cool. How long you guys been uh, playing? Uh, as a uh, band or me personally? Oh, you personally. Uh, I've been playing guitar for about 35 years. Oh, okay. Excellent. You must be uh, right around my age then. Did you uh, grow up in Chicago, or where are you at? Yeah, uh, the suburbs of Chicago, uh, but yeah, around the Chicago scene. And been here my entire life. I've, I've played a little bit in Florida and some other places, but for the most part, it's uh, it's been the Chicagoland area. Oh, cool. Is uh, let me see. Yeah, I got to check you out a little bit. I got to see some image and stuff. How's uh been going with the old pandemic? Are you guys playing at all? No. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I just did another one with a buddy in uh, Chicago too, and he said the same things. Like, I'm just trying to reach out, see who's actually getting to do anything. Yeah, no, it's, uh, we were right when the, uh, when kind of the pandemic hit, we were in the studio working on an album and, um, it just pretty much came to a screaming halt, um, you know, and then trying to get everybody together and trying to get everybody's schedules together and then figuring out, you know, what do you do and how do you do it? Um, and I know some of the guys that were, that, uh, were out and, uh, I think were, have been playing some, some of their other bands have kind of been playing some gigs, but there's really most of the places aren't around at least around here really i mean even at 25 percent capacity there's just not a lot going on um i think there's been clubs closing and you know it's just it's just been tough there's it's just even just going to the studio and then trying to get people it's like okay we're we're ready to go and then well so and so you know came down with covid or i've got uh, oh my god yeah you know, I got to take care of a parent that's, uh, you know, high risk. And so it's just really been kind of tough. Uh, we've been, I think we're supposed to be getting back in the studio here. Um, it's been almost a year now since we were in there and we, and we were getting pretty far and doing, I was really stoked and getting excited about, uh, about, uh, you know, the stuff that we're doing, but I haven't been back in the studio now almost a year. So I think we're supposed to stop in, uh, next week and sit, sit down and figure out exactly where we're at, what we need to do to finish it. Wow, man. If people don't know, I mean, when a band gets ready to go in the studio, you kind of like have all your chops up and 
it's like you've been working out, you know, and you want to get in the studio and get it done and get it done right. So, I mean, you like at the height of your powers, you know? Exactly. <laughs> you know, it makes it a little difficult when, you know, you're kind of on a year hiatus and, you know, we've tried to have, we've had a couple of practices, you know, kind of here and there, but really it's been really hit and miss. Just like, I mean, we've had to deal with it like everybody else. So it's just, one of those things that hopefully, you know, when, when things clear, we get back in there, we can, you know, pick it up and keep going. Cause yeah, we were, we were, we were approached on fire and going along really well. And then this kind of, this happened and, you know, it's got to deal with it like everybody else. Yeah, man. I'm sorry about that. I know that's uh rough. I mean, I've been out of it for a little while now. I uh, moved away from Illinois and uh, so I haven't been out. Of, I've been out of the scene for quite a while, but not enough to forget how fun it was and, I think we've played some of the same places, Double Door and The Rave, and I don't know if you played Eagles Ballroom or Thirsty Whale back in the day. Yeah, um, I my my singer and my buddy, uh, he played The Whale. Uh, I never got a chance. I've been there, you know, hung out. Um, but yeah, we've been up at The Rave and did all did uh, Double Door, and uh, I mean, pretty much uh, quite a bit you know, up and around uh, Wisconsin, a uh, little bit of Indiana, Chicagoland area, and you know, pretty much all over. It's been for years. You know, we've been. It's as long as uh, someone wants us and we get you know a decent uh, a decent following, decent crowd, then we're we're pretty much willing to go. Yeah, man, it's the best. I can't wait till we get back to that kind of normalcy, man. <laughs> Right now, it's like I see something, or I even watch TV or watch a movie. I'm like, wow, look at all those people. Yeah. Now I go to the grocery store and there's more than ten people. I'm just like, oh my god, get me out of here. Yeah, I know exactly. I hate that, man, because you know, especially you're in a metal band, man. It's all fist bumps, you know, and sweat, and you know, it's a show. Yep, I know. <laughs> Supposed to be. I mean, that's the you know the idea of it, but you know, I don't. I, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I figure probably at some point, something there's going to be something different, and I don't know if we're ever going to go back to exactly the way everything was, because, you know, I, during this whole pandemic thing, I was just kind of thinking back to, you know, like the Black Plague, um, you know, thinking about it, when you have something like half the, the Europe's population gets wiped out, you know, what does that do mentally to people back then, you know, in the 14 or 1500s or whatever? They didn't have the medication and the doctors, they didn't have the technology and the science. How did that affect people, you know, moving forward? I'm sure that they had the stuff that they struggle with that the rest of their lives, you know. So I'm sure there's some stuff here that's, that's not going to be quite the same. But, dude, I hope for music and for that kind of stuff, we, we kind of get back to back to what we used to be. But, you know, we'll see. Yeah, I'm definitely hoping for the best. I have my ups and downs with it, man, because I unfortunately got COVID about six months ago and I got the, the smell and taste thing is the only thing I got, but I still can't smell or taste. It's been Really? Yeah, yeah it sucks. <laughs> I'm also wow. a chef, so it's like. Oh, that's probably a problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's been uh, it's been a hell of a ride for me, but it's been cool. Is like I've had this downtime, and uh, been able to reach out to all my old band members, and then now with you, some new ones too. And I was just like, holy shit! I was like, I forgot of you know how vast this stuff goes. I mean, even though it was Chicago and everything like that, we were all interconnected, at least with places that we played, you know, or promoters that screwed us over or something you know? oh yeah 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 unfortunately a lot of those people are still around <laughs> <laughs> thank god uh what was uh let me see i'm i'm looking at your bio was there did you guys do a whole album or was it just that ep uh no we we did um we've done uh we've had a live album and yeah i see we that put, too. Okay. Uh, 
Yeah, we put a couple of EPs, uh, but the, for whatever reason, I mean, we, we were putting together, when we did the last EP, um, we were in the studio um, a few years back, and great guy, we've been in the studio with the, for, for a number of years uh, with the engineer, and uh, we were sitting there working on it, and then he, uh, I guess, got a job offer in Las Vegas working at uh, shows out in Las Vegas. So he's like, well, I'm, I'm packing up and selling everything and I'm moving to uh, Vegas to go, uh, oh. which for him would have been a great opportunity. But for us, we're right in the middle of uh, making an album and we're kind of like, uh, how much time are we talking? He's like, yeah, you got about three days. Oh, my God. <laughs> what, what studio, so, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, it was... Uh, Fairview Studios in uh, uh, Chicagoland area, oh, okay. but the uh, um, you know, unfortunately, we uh, it's kind of so we had to kind of figure out what we could do to kind of put something together because it was pretty much done, um, and we didn't want to have to with as much time and effort and money we kind of put into it. We really didn't want to start all over again, so we said, you know what, we're just gonna put a put we'll put it out as an EP. We're mostly done with a number of stuff to see it. Kind of did a marathon session, tried to make sure and finish up, you know, a little whatever we could and in time. So I, I just, we had a really good response, a really good reaction to a lot of the stuff on the EP, but it's just every time I hear it, it bugs me because I know where I want it to be yeah. and it just never quite lived up to where, but you know, now that we're, we're back in the studio, we're like, okay, some of the stuff we're, we're going to redo and the way we kind of wanted to have it done and add some other new, some other stuff to it. And this time, you know, the idea was that here's the, an entire album, you know, and then COVID hit. <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what a monkey wrench. Yeah, yeah. But you know, yeah, it's all that gearing up. Um, uh, can I ask a bit of your history? How did you, when did you, uh, you I think we already got when you started playing guitar, but, um, what? Yeah, it was right around like 1986. I mean, okay. 85, 86, I wanted to be a drummer and I'd run around with a pair of drumsticks working on, you know, uh, different drum beats and working on, you know, it's everywhere. Everything was about drums, um, you know, working on fundamentals and, and things. And um, the weird thing was, it was, it was, I think we were in a, I was in a BMG or one of these Columbia house or something and I had a, an album showed up and I didn't have any idea what it was. And it's kind of like, I think my mom or somebody goes, Hey, why don't you just listen to it? And I'm like, okay. And when I listened to this album, it just absolutely blew me away. The guitar playing blew me away. And I was like, okay, I'm done with drums. I'm not playing. I'm a guitar player. So then I, I kind of started, you know, looking at, uh, I still love drums. I always still, you know, I, for years, I would sit there and play on the side, and I would kind of, you know, when practices or rehearsals are done, I'd go sit on my drum player's kit and, you know, kind of mess around. And now, 35 years later, I'll tell you what, it's weird. A, uh, I get off more on great drumming than I do great guitar playing, if that makes any sense. No, oh, that's <laughs> wild, man. I had a phase with that myself uh, years ago, just because, you know, from lack of drummers, I'm like, screw it, I'll just put my guitar up and play some drums, you know. I could fiddle around with them and do something like probably play any ACDC song, but you know, nothing crazy. <laughs> yeah. Early ACDC with no fill. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's about the height of my powers with drums is, uh, holy shit. That's cool. Is, uh, what was that album that came into the mail? Um, it's, uh, under lock and key. Docking? It was, it was George Lynch. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah, man. God, he's a good player. Oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, that's what kind of got me going on the whole. Uh, just the, the 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 amount of feel and speed and technique. I just and the, the soaring and swooping leads. I just had never quite 
heard anything quite like that and put together, you know, and I've, I've got a wide range of, I'm kind of odd, I guess, these days. People, you know, I, I'm kind of from the classic rock, hard rock, heavy metal. You know, I, I, I dig all kinds of music. I'm not one of these guys that's you know, stuck on a specific sub, little sub, sub, sub genre. <laughs> you know? It's like I can listen to, you know, Doc and, and get off on Megadeth and Metallica and, you know, Testament and just along with it. You know, enjoy uh, you know Alice in Chains, and I can enjoy a lot of all, all, all different kinds of stuff. You know, there's I'm not really, and to me, it's kind of like I'm if I'm inspired, I'm gonna write music, I'm gonna write it, and sometimes it doesn't come out as this; it may come out as something else. You know, I can sit down, and listen to the Stevie Ray Vaughan, and get out and get off on it, and you know, listen to I picked up a few things from like BB King and some other stuff. You know, so I I, I, I dig music, and I think there's a lot of things that kind of. A lot of threads from different types of music that kind of people may not realize that are all kind of intertwined you know and a, a lot of times uh, the really cool stuff that i'm attracted to or when somebody takes this kind of thing and adds this other thing and it's something completely new you know yeah. it's kind of um you know my my best example is probably uh um operation mind crime from queen oh, God, that's you great. know you, you take yeah it's an awesome album yeah. Um, I, I've never heard anything like it when it first came out. I just, I, my jaw dropped. I'm like, this can't be Queen Drake. You know, they, they're, uh, you know, an Iron Maiden. Yeah, Queen kind of, of the Reich. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and all of a sudden you got like, take, you take like Iron Maiden and Judas Priest and you add some Pink Floyd to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. That's a good, that's got, a good, uh, that's a good amalgamation of them. Yeah, cool. Yeah, you know, and so, and that's always been one of my favorites. I've probably seen Queen Drake probably eight times, and we opened for them on their 30th anniversary tour um, in Milwaukee. So that was, no for me, shit. one of my highlights. Yeah. Holy shit. Where did you open for them at? Uh, up at the Rave. Oh, cool. All right. As the, the Rave is Eagles Ballroom, right? Are they both in the same? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, they've got, they're all in the same. Yeah, yeah, that place is badass to play. We played there for yep. a, in a metal fest with a whole bunch. It was, I think it was back in the day, so... Megadeth, uh, typo negative, that kind of era. Yeah, and that, that place is killer, man. That is so cool. How was? Did you get to meet uh, the boys or no? Um, you know, we we got briefly a couple of us. You know, talked to Scott Rockenfield for a moment, Excellent. and he said he really liked our band. Um, but they kind of um, they had these VIP things, so they're running around an awful lot, going to meet and doing a meet and greet with their fans and that kind of stuff. So we really didn't get a chance to really hang out, interact that much. I mean, I've met and talked to Michael Wilton um, before, and I've met Scott Rockenfield before as well. So it was kind of one of those things that we got a chance. Um, and we, we also played there when, with Deftones. Um, and when they came through, you know, we, they, they kind of walked. We were in the kitchen area, and they were in the kitchen area. Yep. So we kind of, for a minute, hey, how you doing? But we're, there wasn't a whole lot of interaction. It was just kind of like business and trying to get stuff done. And we got to go here, we got to go there, and that kind of thing, you know? Yeah, it, that's just, just getting caught up in it. I mean, it's, you know, it's a big production, you know? It's a concert. Yep. <laughs> so we got shit to do. <laughs> exactly. You know, we ended up, uh, we, I don't know if you're familiar with the band Anvil. Yeah, from um, uh, Canada? Yeah, Hell yeah. yeah. And they had a yeah. documentary. A few, they had a documentary a few years back. Yeah, I seen uh, it. It's probably been like ten years now. I don't remember how exactly how long ago, but um, we opened up for them in Darien, um, and it was really it was it was it was a little bit after. I mean, it might have been a year after the uh, their their movie came out. And I will tell you what, we 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 got to spend some time with those guys. 
um, before the show, and it was so weird because I was looking around. I had just seen the movie, and I was looking around for camera crews because hanging out with those guys, <laughs> I swear to God, you feel like you're in that documentary. It's just it's not put on because it's exact. I'm looking around for you know for camera crews. I'm like, going, come on, this has got to be a bit. <laughs> and no, it was it was it was for real. I'm kind of going. That was kind of a trip, man. <laughs> yeah, if anyone hasn't seen that documentary, do yourself a favor. Is it just called Anvil? I can't remember. Yeah, the story of Anvil or something. Yeah, okay, like that. that is fantastic. I mean, those guys yeah. have been up and down, and it's just that is a real, like, just a good rock and roll story. I mean, as far as you know, almost making it, then kind of making it, and then you know, just always seem to like almost there. You know. Yep. Yeah, you know, it's just strange. You, you, it's like, and I can relate. And so many, you know, yeah. you watch it, you're like, oh yeah, I bet. yeah, oh exactly. yeah. <laughs> That's all it is, man. It's always just a matter of just keep going, you know? Yep. You might make yep. it, man. What's the worst case scenario? You're going to have some really cool stories. <laughs> cool stories, meet some cool people, have some cool experiences. You know, it's it's uh, there's there's a lot of people and a lot of things that uh, you know, I'll never forget that were, um, even if it, for whatever reason I wasn't able to continue, at least I, you know, I, I know that I, that, you know, what I've done and been able to go out and do stuff and enjoyed it. And I can always say, hey, at least I, 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 Gave it a shot and I went for it, you know. Hell yeah. I got to touch on something you brought up earlier. Are you the main songwriter or you guys do a collab or? Um, for the most part, I write the music and um, do most of the arranging. Um, I don't really, I, I, I help with lyrics here and there when uh, my singer is kind of goes, you know, I need a line. What do you think of this here? I'm looking for something. I need something here. Or I'll hear something. I go, oh, is that what you said? He goes, no, but that sounds really cool. I'm going to use it. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. <laughs> so, um, I suck at, at lyric writing. I, I can write, but when it comes to writing lyrics, it's just for some reason, it just comes out cheesy. Uh, I do the same, man. <laughs> My first band, Forbidden Fate, I, I remember writing something about, uh, I don't know, it was the night. It was total Dio schlock, you know, just even worse. Yep. <laughs> just like, but yeah, I always thank God my singer could take care of that because I would have made it super cheesy. But I yeah. love, I do the same thing. I write, I write on guitar all the time. That's my whole thing too. That's good. Yeah. Is that... yeah, usually, you know, if we do upon occasion, we'll have, you know, we'll have jams and um, we'll jam something out and something will happen, you know, but uh, we kind of have this problem, or at least I've had for most of the places that piece, uh, groups I've been a part of. If you, if you record all your practices and you record all your jams, you spend more time listening back to the things than you actually do working or writing on anything, you know, but then we're getting old and we forget shit. Yep. So it's kind of, it's like I have a dual edged sword. We want to just, then once you do, if you're, if you're, you know, you're recording everything, then you become more self-conscious. You're not really in the moment, but you know, and then you got, you spend more time editing and going back, oh, I like this little part. And then you spend more time messing with stuff than you actually do getting to the heart of writing, you know? And you burn out. So, yeah, you know, so I kind of became after a while, it's like, okay, we're going to work on stuff and then we'll just let it organically grow when it gets to a point where it's like it's becoming something. Let's record it and see, you know, so we have a frame of reference and keep working on it, you know, because I've had drummers that when we, we did that and then we had, okay, this is, this is a song, it's kind of a real rough outline. Well, they'll go home and they'll play to it for a week. And then we come in and start working on writing that song and 
they're stuck doing exactly everything they did on just a rough take. And it's like, well, we're trying to do something a little different and because their muscle memory is there and they, their brain can't comprehend, so they just keep doing the same thing. And it just gets frustrating. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, so, okay, no more recording until after we get this to a certain level, you know? But then there's times where it's like, I wish we would record that. That was really cool and nobody knew what the hell they did because, you know, we had something happen or holidays or something to come back and you can't remember, you know? Oh, so, yeah, man. Like you got to capture those moments. It's so easy nowadays. Kids don't know how good they got it. As far as you know, oh, you just throwing one of these Zoom recorders cost you a hundred bucks, and you're you're recording. You know, yep. at least have a good. Because yep. me, I I don't really read music or nothing like that. I just you know play. But if I can hear it, I can play it. So I was like, I I listen back, and you know, I got stuff from probably. I don't know, 12 years ago, just, you know, riffs and things everywhere on my phone and on little recording devices. Yep. Yeah. Is that the way you record too? Or, or, or do you, uh, yeah, you, know, do you read music uh, or anything? Pretty much. You know, I'll, I'll start, you know, usually what I'll do is I'll, I'll I mean, is a good example is one of the songs that we, that we did, that we do, uh, Wolves in the Temple. Dude, that uh, song is fantastic. Cool. Yeah, thanks. It really is. Um, the, uh, that whole thing, my wife for work was i think she was in new york for some uh for a trade show or something and it was i had all the lights off i was sitting in the living room and had a couple of candles on and just playing guitar and you know 10 11 o'clock at night something like that it was dark um and then all of a sudden it started storming and and it was and it was a big storm so i'm like you know so i started playing along with the storm and the storm was my percussion section so i just started kind of jamming out just kind of playing cool. and i'm going this is sounding kind of cool so i went out and i got my field recorder which was one of these zoom looks like a, a microphone kind of thing yep. and, and i started recording the, the the thunderstorm as it was going through and i got great it was there was the rain was hitting cement so you got really good rain sound and you got the the thunder cracks that came out perfect and I was just, and I started playing along with it and I, you know, closed the door. So I had some ideas. And then when the, you know, the storm was done, I, I kind of, I downloaded it and started listening to it and just kind of was playing along with it. So then I go, tell you what, and I uh, played it and just recorded a little uh, track on top of it, on top of the storm and gave it to my singer. And he went through and listened to it and, you know, wrote lyrics out of it. And we started, uh, I called it like Industrial Storm or some shit. <laughs> you know, just to kind <laughs> right, of give just a title. Put something on it, yep, yep. Got to do yeah, it. Yeah, you know, so we were kind of, you know, listening to it. And then as over time and over, you know, starting to collaborate and, and starting breaking it into just being a jam, you know, kind of, uh, it kind of coalesced into a song, you know, and here's, this is a verse, this is a chorus and, and you know, kind of went from there. Um, you know, but the, and for a while I kept trying to put, you know, I kept going back and forth. Should I leave the storm in there? Or is it everybody going to pick up on like riders on the storm? And, you know, <laughs> it's like, am I just ripping off the doors? You know, so it was like, okay. So I boiled it down to, okay, we don't have any, uh, no, no rain and no thunderstorm. But like, how about like a lightning crash? So this is a couple of spots you give like you know, a symbol crash, something to have a little lightning crash. Studio, and we're recording it, and I had I had some of the recordings uh, brought into the studio, and we uploaded uh, a couple of the lightning crash, uh, thunder crashes, and and uh, and my singer wasn't there when I did it, but we put it in one spot, put this this uh, this lightning or thunder crash, and um, he got a copy of the of the session, and he was listening to it in, in his car, and he said when the when the thunder crash hit. He almost drove off the road and scared the shit out of me. Oh, that's that's got to stay in the song, then. <laughs> that's so and, great. 
Yeah, we just could never make it work. It just didn't seem to ever work right, so we ended up cutting. Oh, we ended, it, it never, none of the, none of the, the storm ever. Uh, I still got copies. I still have, you know, version. I just listened to it for the first time in years. I just heard the, the original, and, and, and you can hear it, but there's it's a little bit different. There's little stuff here and there, but you can still, you can when you listen to it, it's like, yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man, that's the that's the best part, man. Especially nowadays too, with all the recording, I mean, you can basically record yourself. And you could, you know, limitless tape because it's digital. And yep. you could totally mess around with shit. That's uh, that's pretty cool. Are you guys re- yeah, are you guys recording the tape now? Or are you guys doing it the digital route? No, we're doing digital. Okay, cool. It's, uh, I mean, back in the in the '90s, early '90s, y'all, uh, we I did ADAT and all and all that and tape and you know I know some other guys that you know back in the late '80s or early '90s were doing kind of the same thing. Um, I love the sound of warm tape compression. But it's just nowadays in order to get these get tapes that are good and be able to use, put yep. it to tape. I mean, just tape itself to get it that because most of it deteriorated and, and that stuff's expensive. And, and, and you know, the time to, and, and getting people that know how to do it, um, how to edit it and all that stuff. There's just so many more things going on with uh, with digital that uh, maybe a song. But for the most part, and, and we do we record kind of old school. You know, we basically, we get into an isolation boost. Everybody plays, when we lay down the drums, and we'll, we'll set up the click track, and then, you know, we'll, uh, the, the drummer's in the drum room, everything's mic'd, and, and, you know, we'll have a bass player set up uh, in an ISO booth, and then I'll set up in the in the control room with my guitar and ISO'd. The singer will, will sit in the control room with us, and then we'll start, and then we'll, you know, the, we'll start getting the bases of the song down. The drums are getting put down, but while we're playing, he's listening to us play while we're playing along, while he has the click track. Um, so when we're putting it down, it's a live drumming performance. It's not just sitting to a click track and just playing along. He's playing to the entire band and the entire song. Oh, cool. You know, so, and then we keep that, we just use that as a scratch track. So that way when we can listen back to it and work on different parts, but when the drums are set, the drums are set, you know, then the bass player can listen to it. He's got the scratch guitar, scratch vocals, and he's got the drums and he's got a scratch bass line you know so he goes along and he replaces it with the real bass line you know and then i do the same thing with rhythm guitars and the vocals come in and you know do all his vocals and come back and i put in leads and and if they're you know that kind of thing and then we kind of figure out you know what's it missing is it missing anything what we got to add to it try things so sometimes i get these crazy effects i'll try and put something on and sometimes it'll be really cool i got this idea you you hear it you go oh my god that's terrible what the hell is it taking been there Other times it's like, wow, that's really cool. Yeah, hell yeah, you never know. Well, speaking of uh, gear, I'm uh, looking here. Are you, it uh, looks like a Les Paul guy into a, is that a Marshall JCM 800 or something? What are you playing with? And I see a rack full of pedals. This is a yeah. live shot of you. Yeah, um, I, I used to do uh, rack gear. I used Me to too. have the TV. Yeah. <laughs> Digitech, I whatever. Had, yeah, yeah and the ADA MP1. Oh, that, that is a badass amp. It is. I I have. I've had like three of them. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. uh, You know, after a while, it just kind of became, you know, and having to sit there, I spent more time programming. You know, oh, and listen to this. This is, uh, you know, point zero three on the uh, on delay, but this one is point oh five. Isn't that a big difference? You know, and it's like really and it's like no it's like i spent more time just it's, it's like i stopped writing i'm not playing i'm just sitting there trying to set up gear yep. you know and then it's like the early midi stuff it was a little slow on switching yep. so it was like 
And then I'm sitting there trying to figure out how to, you know, when to come in and out. And it's like, I wasn't really playing now. I'm just kind of messing with programming and playing gear. And then after over kind of evolving, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start getting less and less. So I started getting rid of the big rack gear. And then when the full big uh, floor pedal thing started happening in the mid, I want to say it's the mid 90s. I had, uh, I think Digitech had an RP1. Yep. Um, and I got that and I'm like, you know what? This is so much easier. I don't have to worry about a plug, uh, a cable unplugging and to reroute all my spaghetti cables everywhere. <laughs> Batteries like, and shit. <laughs> yeah. You know, plugging everything in, having to have a power strip, yep. having to have my, you know, the power conditioner and all this other crap. The worst. So I was like, started taking it to rehearsal and practices with the RP one. And nobody said like, Hey, your tone sucks. Yep. It was just like, you know, Oh. Okay, he's got a hell of a lot less gear, and we're playing a hell of a lot faster and getting ready to go. And, I'm, and I started after that, I was like, you know what, this isn't quite what I'm looking for. I kind of, you know, so I started going back to some of the organic kind of, uh, you know, stomp boxes. And you know what, I tell you what, now I, then they got all these these boxes that come out with eight million. It's like they're trying to turn some of these uh, these uh, foot pedals into you know small little rack mount things. And it's like I, I'm all of a sudden I'm back to doing what I was doing with my rack mount stuff. Yep. I spent all my time programming, so now I just look for something that sounds awesome. It's something you know whether it's delay or if it's reverb and it has minimal amount of controls. Yeah, that's why I don't gotta sit there and mess with it. I'd much rather play and much rather write than sit there and be a, a computer programmer. You know. Yeah, yeah. No, I totally agree. And I, I, I had that same thing. I used to have all the rack mount shit. I still got one zoom all in one pedal. It's pretty badass. But yeah, I broke it down finally. I was always a PV guy, so I got the, the, the Eddie Van Halen, the old one, the 5150 model. Yeah, I got that. Uh, just like you, a big thing of pedals. Well, maybe eight pedals. I probably used two of them, but I was yep. like, I was just like, no, man, this is it, and this is all I'm doing, and it, and it was best, man. It was the best tone I've ever had. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny too because it's like, you know, the the weird thing is, is for me now, it's like I want a bunch of different pedals, but if it does, it's only so much footprint, how much so much space on your pedal board. Yep. So if I'm not using it for a song, it doesn't go on there. Yep. Good. And you know, and I'm kind of kind of helped me winnow it down a little bit. It's okay. I, I maybe when we're jamming, I may use this or have a couple of an idea, but I can always break it out if I'm writing or I'm trying to come up with something. I can always use it, but it doesn't mean I have to have it permanently mounted on my on my pedal board. Yeah. Um, I was just gonna say but, uh, that uh, what I contribute that to is you're a it's just a one guitar band, right? Yep. Yeah, that's my first uh, two bands were like that, and I attribute uh, the pedals and the messing around with all those sounds is like. It's. I don't know if people understand this. They're not guitar player, but if you're the only guitar player, then you want to try and wall up that sound as much as you can. You know, and you, yep. and you feel weird when it's just you and the bass and you're jamming a lead. You know, it's like you feel like something something gets cut off. So I always tried to, yeah, make my sound a little bigger and bigger. And I was like, you know, after a while, I was like, screw it. I'll just, you know, if Dimebag can do it, <laughs> I'll figure it out. Yep. <laughs> Yep, Dimebag can do it. Eddie can do yeah, it. You yeah. know, yep. uh, and there's times where you know Dimebag didn't have a ba he doesn't have a, a backing rhythm guitar track. Right. You know, it's kind of cool. Yep. You know, there's time. And some, a lot, but the thing with that is you have to have a very strong rhythm section. You have to have a good bass Solid, player. Solid. Yep. Uh, if someone's just doing root notes, it's gonna be boring as shit. Yeah, yep. um, <laughs> seriously. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. You, know, you got to fill it in. Yeah. Fill in the space, man. Yeah. You got, you got, you know, and people, and you know, we try out different people for their band, and it's like they come in, 
And if all of a sudden everything drops out when you go to the solo, it's like, I, I just stop. Yep. Why drop out? Well, I don't want to step on your toes for your soloing. It's like, well, it's not about me. It's about the song and the audience. It's like, you want to have a crescendo. You want to have it go somewhere. You don't want to just sit there and all the, and in the drums and the, and the bass and everything. I'm a single guitar. And then all of a sudden everything dies out and everything is, you know, whole notes. And you're all just kind of, it's like, that is the most boring thing. It gives me nothing to play off. Yeah, exactly. So, That's huge. You know, and then yeah. some guys, uh, some guys get it, some don't, you know, so it's kind of, um, you just got to find the right you know, I, I, you just got to find the right people because yep. I think it's it's amazing how different you can play the exact same song, but then you bring somebody with a different a different guy in and it'll sound completely different. Yeah, that's you that's know? huge. That's uh, we did that a couple of times. It was like a reinventing every time. You know, it's like, oh, because we went through, I, I would say at least, I don't know, over the years, maybe over 20 bass players. That was always the thing. <laughs> so yep. it's like every one of them brought in something new and usually something weird so it's just like yeah. yeah you know it's weird how things have changed over the years i mean it's um it's just strange because it used to be that i'd fall out of bed and hit four drummers on the way down yep before i hit the ground you know and i could never find a bass player then all of a sudden i couldn't find drummers but there were bass players but they were all you know people who switched to bass from guitar and really just wanted to be out playing and just didn't really care right um, you know, and just want to hit the root notes and just want to go play and have a fun and party and that kind of thing. And, and it's really difficult. We do. We always laughed at it. I swear to God, we're like, we're like Spinal Tap. We had the, we had a whole bunch of problems with drummers, finding them coming and going and then bass players. And for whatever reason, it's just kind of it, now it's just it's kind of become both of them. I think if you're a really excellent bass player, usually they're in like eight different projects and their their time is very precious and you can't really get them to commit or if they are they're just going to show up for whatever it is and they're gone um it's been my experience at least in the chicagoland area and i think you know really good drummers are kind of becoming the same way and it used to be we go well back in the day we used to grow people you know someone who has some ability but weren't like outstanding and we just say you know what work with us and keep working and, and you'll grow into it. But we tried that route over the last 15 years. I can't tell you how many times, and that's all kind of pretty much backfired too. So <laughs> it's kind of, we're like, look, either you can hang or you can't. Yep, yep. So it's at the point now where, you know, we're just looking for people. And as you're getting older, it's harder to find people that are the same kind of outlook and same mindset. And, you know, before we were kids, it was really easy. Everybody wanted to play and it was, everybody was playing. Now it's just kind of like, and everybody knows everybody else so people that are really in the, the scene you kind of know them and they're either really busy or you've already played with them yeah. so it's kind of yep. sometimes it's difficult yeah it has its ebbs and flows with uh people coming in we always went with uh like when we started getting a rhythm guitar player for our band i was like we had a a younger guy come in you know was he was in that generation of alice in chains and stuff like that and that totally mm-hmm. threw us for a loop and we loved it you know it was like reinvigorating it's like different style oh, yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, I love doing stuff like that. You know, it just brings more color to the palette. You know, just like, hey, what's yep. let's, let's mess around with this shit. <laughs> exactly, gives you more that much more. You know, it, it's 
I absolutely hate it when I go see a band play or someone plays with us, we're doing something, and you can't tell if it's one song for 45 minutes or <sighs> 10 songs for 45 minutes. Yeah. You know, you want to, you, it's supposed to be entertainment and you're supposed to, you know, the idea is you take your, you try at least to take your, uh, um, your audience on a little bit of a ride. You give them some different, like I said, use different palettes, use different feels, different tones, and you try to give them something different. And, and but if it's like, you know, 45 minutes of the same song, it's tough, you know. It's real tough, unless it's unless it's you know music and you're in an elevator. Even that's tough, you know. <laughs> Definitely. Just being a beer salesman, it's kind of tough to listen to. You know, people come and come and go, and you're not gonna you're not gonna connect with anybody. I think you got to have a little bit of that light and dark, and you got to have a little bit of different things because it just gets it's tough when it's all the same thing all the time. Yeah, Tool hits that pretty good every now and then with the with the being able to have a long long songs and just keeping you interested. Yeah. yeah tool i love tool, me too but that's you know that's the whole progressive thing and i totally dig progressive stuff um you know it's just and the reason it's, and it's very difficult because can you imagine being a local musician going and playing clubs like and doing tool type of things and no, you know you're unheard of you're an unheard of band and you're out in the clubs and clubbing and trying to keep make a following and then people show up and every song is 12 minutes long you've never heard it before and you're expecting people just to you know really get in and get into it and pay attention i mean it'd be i, I got lots of respect for them guys but a lot of that is you know is is the style of the music um i like writing longer pieces because for whatever reason I, I seem to even when i try to write short pieces it still comes out i still have some progressive stuff kind of comes out that i like to write in phrases okay and i usually get I have long phrases phrases um you know but it's it's kind of like a different change it's kind of become a little bit of a lost art you know there it, now you show up you show up at a studio you put up the you get your what's your bpms you know what's this time signature and then you just go and do it and everything is quantized and it's perfect, perfect and off yeah. you go you know whereas i enjoy having different tempos i enjoy it sometimes within songs not every song but you know having sometimes when it kind of slows down yeah it, it kind of when you when it when it takes off again it really has a lot more punch because yep. you, there is you know that feel of um you know and i like the different time signatures and you know some and i play a lot with like a uh, a uh, uh maybe a five four into a four four and i do a lot of stuff with uh you know with the different times with odd time signatures but i think it keeps it interesting the only band i'm aware of that can do the exact same thing successfully and people love it and don't care is acdc for 40 years yeah. <laughs> i don't think this other band that has been able to get away with it no no they are uh ushered into the archives man they are just uh and they're it's kind it's up till today man they're still making new songs you know yep. and it's still the same signet time signature you know it's the same everything yeah you know, oh yeah definitely you know, Malcolm's no longer with us, but, you know, but basically it's the, it's the ACDC is, been, is the same from the beginning to the end, you know, and not even the Rolling Stones. The Rolling Stones have been around forever and they're still doing stuff, but yet they still had their start, start me up era, you know, yep. they're doing more these kind of stuff and uh, more new wave kind of, you know, they didn't start off with, you know, paint it black and then they're still doing paint it black 50 years later, right. you know, they moved. They, yeah. Yep, everybody. I think you have to. There's only so much I think within any given genre that you can just keep belting it out and for decades and have it still be good. I just I think if there's a certain limit, I think certain bands like Megadeth, 
I think the reason why they're able to keep doing what they're doing, what they've done, is because they have so many people coming and going. That there's new blood, there's new ideas, there's new thoughts. Because I'll tell you what, man. I mean, I love thrash. I was huge in this. I was in thrash bands back in the early '90s and the late '80s. I still love it. There's still some of that in my in my DNA in my blood. But when you gotta write three, uh, four minute solos on every song, um, <laughs> try doing that for eight. 10, 12, 15 albums over, you know, after a while, it's just kind of like, okay, um, been there, done that. And, you know, try, that's why I think a lot of times you try, you try to find some of these crazy effects or something just to give you a spark, something, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's a hard space to fill, man, especially if you're a really, you know, I don't want to say thoughtful, but, you know, just a real, yeah, kind of thoughtful guitar player. You're kind of like trying to get into the mood of the song and you want to put something in there. You don't want to just throw it in there i mean especially when you get in the studio man i'll pick it to death <laughs> you know yep. i was just like it ain't right start over do it again yep yeah um i don't think i answered your question completely um the uh basically my i play uh for amps i play angle um oh, okay i i got an original powerball as my head is what i uh, is what i go with um i played laney's and marshall's and you know i i could just never some I, I i because i've got kind of a wide range of influences and interests i, I don't like being pigeonholed um i love you know mesa that the, their dual racks and all that but the problem i have is that i can only get one setting it's kind of like that's it yeah it's and, the, the, that setting that you've heard a thousand times <laughs> right yeah you know and i love like i think it was i forget which bogner it was but there's this bogner head on when i was going before i bought the, i got my angle um I, I went around to every i mean i but the only one trick pony that i really wish was in my stable is uh a soldano slo 100. that nice. I, i'm good with yeah. other than that you know it's just i yeah there's this one i don't it's not the uber shawl but i forgot which one of the bogners it was but i hooked it up i started playing i was messing with it i got an amazing uh allison chains tone nice and everything i started playing sound like allison chains it sounded like <laughs> Jerry Cantrell, everything <laughs> And, and I'm like going, I'm sitting there changing the, the, the dials and trying to change the change guitars stuck and everything was just coming out Alice in Chains. Yep. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> you know. it's, uh, tones will do that, man. They always got yep. me to uh, play a little differently. If I could emulate something else, even if I wasn't trying, I would be like, I'm going to, you know, mess with this. And then all of a sudden I'm playing, you know, Testament, you know, it's just like, <laughs> like it just, yep. it just comes, you know? Yep. And that was one of the things with the angle, you know, and I was looking at Triamp at one point because I really dig and there's a lot of, but then there comes a point where you have, you know, you've got four or six channels and you got six different variations on each of the channels yep. where it just be kind of comes overload. And I think it's just, you're not good at one thing. You're not good at anything. Yeah, right. You know, it just comes, it's, it's very nice. And it just didn't have the growl or the bite really that I was looking for. Whereas for whatever reason, I don't have any of that problem with the angle. If I want something that's a little more martially, a little more Mesa-y, a little bit more, if I want to get a little more grungy, it's like I can change my attack, I can change my guitar, and I get what I'm looking for and what I need. And, and I've been playing for a, for so long now, and I've been playing and writing for so long, I know what I need, I know kind of my style has kind of evolved. I would love to have something that's so identifiable like George Lynch or Eddie Van Halen or Dimebag where you hear it and you go, that's them. Yeah. But I think I've got a little bit of my own kind of 
sound, but I know what I need to do what I need to do with it. And for whatever reason, the angles just give me everything that I need and I don't have to worry about switching amps. I don't got to go for this song. It's just, I don't have enough low bottom end or it's just not mid-range enough. It doesn't take much for me to be able to just change my attack, change the way I'm playing this a little bit and I get it from my angle. Um, I, I went out and got a, a, a Screamer um, a practice amp from Angle too, so that way I can I've got that. So when I'm so now when I'm practicing, I'm playing. It's you know it's it's the angle, it's the sound that I'm looking for. But it is nice upon occasion to pull out something completely different, and sometimes you just get some something a pop and you just get that tone and you'll be like oh all of a sudden you'll write a new song yep, and you had yep. you never written it if you wouldn't change something around you know yeah that's why we tinker man <laughs> yep. yeah you yep. had to go through all the phases i swear of guitar i was talking to yep. another buddy of mine same thing we're just like talking about the rooms of full of gear that if we kept everything we've ever had we'd fill up our houses you know so i'd be divorced yeah exactly <laughs> oh that's awesome what's your uh acts of choice you know what, um, actually, first, what was your first guitar? And do you still uh, have it? No, I don't, I don't have mine God. either. <laughs> uh, uh, I gotta know what it is now. My first, the first one that was that I owned, I mean, because I borrowed, when I first started trying to figure out how to play, I, I was borrowing people's stuff constantly. I was just, hey, can I borrow your one of your guitars? And they're like, sure. And so, um, but my actual very first guitar, was I, I don't even remember if it was a honer but there was it was a horrendous like balsa wood less paul copy <laughs> oh, no. um, that was probably from the 70s um it, it was just it was a, a tobacco sunburst um i know it was back it was the red it was the red that the sunset the, the, the sunset one uh but that thing the, the action on it it probably <laughs> it, not kidding was like an inch <laughs> It was horrendous, I but you know what? Like I, I persevered and went out and uh, uh, worked some jobs and made some money on the side, and then uh, and uh, but then I was playing through a Gorilla amp too. Yep. That, you know, before that it was uh, when I got the Gorilla, I was like, you know, this is kind of lame. I guess I shouldn't say that. This is 2021, but you know, it was kind of lame. Um, but. Uh, it, but it was kind of it was better than hooking up into a stereo which is what i was you know there's no yep, that, that plug, yeah. plug into and we're playing out of the stereo speakers you know at first but at least when i got the gorilla at least it was an actual amp um but then i think my first actual um guitar that was actually playable was a uh, lotus uh super strat oh okay i remember lotus where'd you yeah. get it from a uh, buddy of mine, yeah, a buddy of mine sold it. He was looking to get a BC Rich Warlock when they just come out. They were kind of. I did the Ironbird route. <laughs> yeah. So he, uh, he, he, so he sold it to me, and then you know, then over time, it's like you know, and I went to uh, Ibanez for a little while. Uh, the original RG, I had one of those for a little while, and then oh, nice. Went to, uh, um, and it was it was Dayglow Yellow, you know. It was, and, yep. I went to and then I went to from there to Kramer. Um, I had a Kramer for a lot of years, and I still have that one. Yeah, um, is it a Focus? Yeah, it is. Five thousand or three thousand? It's a six thousand. Oh, holy shit! Nice. I had a three thousand and a five thousand. Yeah, That's the only way I know of them. <laughs> they had good guitars, Floyd man. From it's from '87. It had an original Floyd. It had a flip flop, uh, you know, paint job, kind of teal yeah. flip flop kind of a deal. So in different lighting, it would kind of change color just a little bit. Um, you know, not real 
uh, it's kind of, I don't have the bright dig little stuff anymore, but I still have that Kramer and I've had that thing since probably, I think I want to say like 1990, something like that. So, um, but my, uh, my main, uh, axes are, I've got, uh, I've had for a number of years is, uh, ESP, uh, Mirage. Um, nice. I love yeah. Yeah, they're uh, and for younger listeners, it's not the LTD; it's the Made in Japan actual ESP um, <laughs> from like 1989. Um, That's the one you buy when you grow up and get a job. Yeah, <laughs> man, I tell you what, uh, there's this, there's this guitar store in Aurora um, called Studio Seven. Yep. And, and uh, I used to go there, and they had uh, the first first way first edition of the uh, ESPs that uh, George Lynch's uh, Kamikaze. And, oh my god! And I used to go in there and ask to see it and play it, and I, of course, I'm like, well, and I'd want to hook up to the full Marshall stack, and it was like, <laughs> and I'm sitting there playing. And he's like, "Are you gonna buy it?" And I'm like, "Um, not today. I'm saving up some money, but uh, give me a chamois." And I'd sit there and wipe it all down and make sure. I'm like, "You can't have this guitar being all dirty and crud." Yeah. You can't even back then. This was probably 1988, 89, somewhere around there. And it was like, it was $2,000 guitar. And I'm like, you can't just have it all full of dirt and dust. I said, at least you should pay me to come in and play it occasionally and clean it for you. <laughs> <laughs> this is free labor, man. That's right. You know? Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I never yeah. bought it, but it was, uh, I used to go and they used to drive them crazy. I think they got tired of seeing me after all. But I did buy, I did spend money there. So it's not like I just showed up and was one of these uh, guitar rats that just showed up and played stuff all the time and never bought anything. So I did buy <laughs> some amps and stuff from them. But um, my, I've had other ESPs too. I had an M1 at one point that I, I just recently sold. Um, uh, but basically, uh, my main guitars are is my ESP Mirage and Super Strat and. Uh, uh, I've got a, a Gibson uh, Studio Les Paul that, yeah. I, that and that's most of my down tune stuff that uh, you play the Les Paul with. Um, and it's like I, I, everything that I wrote was always and played was always an E flat. Um, oh, cool. For whatever reason, uh, my buddy was uh, you know was doing something and he was like, "Hey, why don't you come on over and just hang out and jam with uh, with my band?" And I, I know we've played a number of shows. Guess I'm sure, no problem. He showed up. He's like, you ever played in drop? And I'm just like, nope, everything's always been E flat. And he's like, well, check this out. Why don't you just kind of jam along? So I, 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 you know, drop tuned and, and, you know, but it wasn't like I had uh, Les Paul, I had my ESP. So, you know, 10, 15 minutes later after. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you just made me so frustrated by even saying that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I didn't have the Eddie D tuna or nothing. Cause I never right. played anything in drop, you know, and then all right. of a sudden you start jamming with them and, and I was like, you know what? This is kind of, it opened up, you know, so just for whatever reason, it just opened up my brain and, and had different, uh, go, you know, going from one to something else. And it's just had, it's just different. And it's kind of, it opened it up and I'm kind of going, hmm, maybe there is something to this. I mean, I came to the, I came to the game, the, the party really late on the drop tunes. I mean, it was like been, been 10, 12 years now, maybe, but now I, I enjoy playing stuff. I, I do both. I, do, I still do a lot in E, uh, in, you know, e flat, and I guess it's technically we just we really drop at E flat. It's what C sharp, whatever it yeah. is. Yeah, uh, I, we call I call it E flat too. <laughs> yeah, drop E flat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm professional. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so you know, it's uh, I, for most of my down tune stuff, it's uh, it's the Les Paul, and you know, it took me a long time. I played a few different Les Paul copies. I had an LTD one for a while, and, um, and I, it's just the, the tuning just didn't ever stay there. I had a I had an Epiphone that was rock solid. It just didn't sound great. 
but it was played the hell out of it and it was perfect it never went out of tune it just didn't sound right you know gotcha. and i got that just for a guitar to bang on you know put it up uh, put it on a stand and when i wanted to work on something I just grab it so i didn't really care but after a while i'm like i got a guitar sitting here you know i got 400 bucks sitting in it and i'm just banging on it and i'm not using it for anything so i started writing down tune you know stuff i'm like well i can't take this out to the club it sounds like shit. so i started <laughs> looking for another uh, another one and i probably went through literally 30 or 40 um less calls before i found the one that i and that my wife was with me and all of a sudden i plugged it in and started playing it and she was just so damn bored because i was going guitar store to guitar store to guitar store and she just sitting there bored out of her mind and all of a sudden her head popped up and goes what's that and i go oh, it's a guitar and she goes i know that but that one sounds different than all the other ones i'm like i know i'm surprised you heard it. She goes i've heard 30 of them today <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's you know, a good woman like, right there yeah so that's the one i mean it's, it's not a custom it's not you know it's just you know as a guitar player you can have uh 10 guitars go down the same guitar line and be the exact same everything and each one of those 10 guitars that are made one right after the other are going to be different there's going to oh, be yeah, something man. that sounds different something that plays different that just for whatever reason there's something organic that just uh it just it's just different and that one i i probably was close to getting a divorce because he's probably like i'm done with this um, <laughs> pick one on that one and it, and it works really well for my detune stuff i mean i, I didn't pay it i just I, I really couldn't afford it at the time but i like i have to have this guitar so i i made it happen we got it done so that was uh and i got a i've got a jackson uh sl1 now too that uh or is an sl2 whatever the one with the two humbuckers uh the soloist um that, oh cool I love those. Jacksons are great too, man. Yep. And that's one's halfway new. I got that a couple of years ago. Um, you know, so I've been, I've been kind of messing around with that. Cause most everything I've always played has been, it hasn't been the 24 fret. It's always been like 21 fret. That's why that's that scale length, what I've always been comfortable with. So now I'm kind of messing around, you know, with trying to, and I've got big sausage fingers. So getting up into the higher registers, of, but this, for some reason with this soloist, I have no problem getting up to the 24 fret just whether or not I'm able to uh, put my little fingers, uh, turn them sideways. <laughs> yeah, I, I had the same problem. <laughs> I want to play it up there though. Yep. <laughs> Find a way. And I see the guys that just, just fly up there and I realize they're like five foot three. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Little dainty fella. Yep. <laughs> yeah, they got the edge on us on that one. That's for sure. Yep. Well, cool, man. Hey, we've, uh, we've done about an hour. Um, is there... Um, Anything you want to plug or promote or anything? I mean, I know nothing's really going on, but you, you're probably not even sure when the album's coming out. No, we. I would be great if we had a date, um, but we're just getting back in the studio to get working on it again. So I'm hoping this year it'll get out, it'll get done, but I don't really have a whole lot uh, with that. I mean, I guess if people want to check us out, we're on YouTube and we've got there's clips and stuff on Facebook. You know, look for Spiderbone with a Y. Um, you know, and it's all one word. Um, we got a website, uh, spiderbone.net. Um, you know, and, and it's kind of, you know, like most people, most creative people, I've gotten a bunch of other stuff that I do. Um, one of the things that I, I do is I make uh, uh, ancient uh, pub games. There's uh, oh, yeah. you know, Pat uh, turned me on to one of those, man. We had a blast. Yeah. <laughs> and, I forgot uh, that was you too, man. You do yeah. it all. 
Yeah, so <laughs> it was, uh, you know, it's like I, I, I make uh, replicas of, it's like the one, uh, the first one I was doing was called it's the Royal Game of Her, and it's yep. 4,500 years old. Um, yep. You know, it's, it's a great game, and I, but everybody I, was kind of like, you know, it's kind of annoying having to just play two players, so I came up with a design, and I figured out a four-player version of it. It's my design, my idea. That too, so four players can do uh, the the game of Earth. But uh, you know, it's, uh, it's called the Trunculi. So it's it's an ancient uh, Roman game that all the Roman uh, uh, soldiers played, and everywhere they went around the empire or the, or the classical period would take this game with them, and it eventually it evolved into chess. But you try to capture your opponent. That's kind of the whole idea is that you got a line of soldiers and you try to capture your your opponent's stuff. And you know, there's nine men's Morris and some other stuff, but. Uh, um, I don't really have a website yet. I just post every now and again on Facebook for that stuff, and I make it for people and friends and family. And um, you, thinking about you gotta doing get that. that. You got to get that uh, site going, my friend, because yeah. that is some really cool games. I mean, I'm a D and D nerd, and it, I was just like, holy shit, this is like right up my alley. You know, it's something to do while we're waiting to play or something like that. Exactly. It was just that's very very cool game, man. Yeah, and I've got I sent some of my uh, sent, sold some to some of my uh, musicians friends, and then they're kind of going, "Can you get this into a four player so the whole band can play?" I'm like, yep, "I'm working yep. on it, man. I'm working on it." <laughs> oh man, that's that's brilliant, man. Well, John, we got to do this again because now I got to hear about this whole other part of your life, and I got to get into the Rockstar Garage with you sometime. And yep, uh, would you be interested in doing it again? Absolutely, no okay? problem, man. Oh man, well hey. I really appreciate it, man. Thank you for your time, and it's so cool. And the best way to get a hold of you, if people want to get a hold of you for the games or anything, is Facebook. Yeah, just go through Facebook, um, or depending on feeding outfits, know, the, the music. You can, you know, we got we got a page on Facebook for Spiderbone too. So probably the easiest thing is to, is just to go on Facebook and either look for me um, if you're interested in the games, and contact me, and I can get in get in touch with you. I can text you or send an uh, email or whatever, and we can I can talk about that stuff. And I mostly have most of the stuff up there. Um, but uh, and we've been talking about maybe doing a YouTube channel and that kind of stuff too. It's just it's uh. The uh, COVID thing gave me a lot of time to get some work done on it. Um, so it's just trying to get everything uh, finished and get it all presentable. Um, you know, I got some of it's done and some of it's ready to ready to go, and some of them are still um, I'll have done in probably about a month or two. But yeah, I, long story. Sorry, long long no, long way. That's fine. Uh, yeah, Facebook would probably be the easiest. I love that stuff. Is uh, one more thing before you go. Um, is there a song I could? tag at the end of this and play either if it's spotify i can only play like 30 seconds or it, do you want me to uh i'm trying to think of one of your songs like wolves or yeah wolves is fine that's that, that's a good most people like that that's a good that's a killer tune that, that i can put that on there and i probably won't get taken yeah. down no you're good oh awesome man you won't get well, john Mr. i gave Christian? you permission man yeah. you got my all right <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Well, hey, man, it's very nice getting to know you, man. And uh, I think next time we have to get into all the rest of this. And I know you're going to have a couple, at least a crazy band story somewhere to throw in. Oh, yeah. As always. Like everybody. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Hey, thanks again, brother. And you uh, take care. And we'll talk to you hopefully sooner than later. Yep. It's been fun, man. No, no problem. All right. Thanks, man. Yep. Rock and roll. Rock and roll. Bye. <laughs>